Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional, Mr. V. Ravi Chandra from Bangalore. Ravi, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Ashutosh. Thank you. Um, Ravi is the honorary director of the Bangalore International Center. He's a non-executive chairman of Feedback Consulting Services Private Limited, and uh, he's a very, very well-known in our country. So, Ravi, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Uh, the first would really be, I mean, post I am Ahmedabad, joining Myco, which is now Bosch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is memorable for the reason that I met my wife to be at that place, and therefore that makes it super memorable. Yeah. Uh, the next one really is my entrepreneurial phase, uh, which was from 1988 onwards. Uh, feedback consulting. So when I turned entrepreneur from working for a company and the third phase would be from 2000 when I had an opportunity to be part of the Bangalore Agenda Task Force mm-hmm. uh, and that was really uh, something which was a city initiative which opened a whole new world and since 2000 I've had a fair amount of pro bono involvement on causes. So these would be my three distinct milestones uh, in my life. Incredible. So before I come to you know, uh, your journey, I was fascinated to see that, you know, from a, you and I are similar vintage, you're two years younger than me, but you chose to start off on your own when nobody spoke of startups after I am in the bar. What uh, made you take this decision? Of course, it was about uh, almost six or seven years later after leaving I am. So I joined Batchmates who had already started feedback, uh, Vinayak Chatterjee and others. Mm-hmm. And at that point of time, I don't know, in some way I come from a service family, but an entrepreneurial bug bit me in terms of, and I never saw it as entrepreneurship at that time Mm -hmm. because I was joining friends in the entrepreneurial venture. So it was more really an extension of college in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we chose market research as the area that we would work in for the simple reason that clients typically paid you 50% of the, as advance, Mm conduct engagements. So the capital requirement was also low in view of getting this advance. So we chose an area where we could manage with less capital. And it was more in terms of using intellectual capital to work in that space. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really, I didn't see that entrepreneurship at that stage because I just thought I was joining a bunch of friends. But well, at the end of the day, it was an entrepreneurial venture. Interesting. And uh, tell me about the work that you do in feedback consulting. So in feedback consulting, uh, we have been focused on helping companies mm-hmm. assess business opportunities in India. This would be both Indian companies as well as international companies. Mm-hmm. And as a pure, I mean, inter- we would have had over 1,000 clients mm-hmm. over the years. And in terms of work that we have done, we would have enabled close to about $6 billion worth of investment decisions. Wow companies took in the Indian marketplace. Mm-hmm. So one major aspect about feedback was helping companies make the decision about uh, where to enter and the go-to-market strategy. Mm-hmm. There was another element of feedback, which is the customer satisfaction in terms of feedback on engagement with their clients, vendors, uh, and the like. Okay. And you also are very big in infrastructure, isn't it? Yes. So that is really feedback infra. So feedback, when we started, it was one company, which was market research, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. 
Then we had Feedback Ventures, which became another independent company mm -hmm. and which is now called Feedback Infra. Now, currently, Feedback Infra is a lot bigger than Feedback Consulting, which is more in the niche area of uh, uh, market B2B market research. Uh, Infra is also across multiple countries, but currently the two companies are independent. So while our origins are common, our paths have been different. And uh, so while we are friends and we catch up in terms of what's happening, uh, the direction and the uh, areas that the two firms have worked on have been distinctly different. And Feedback Infra, would it would be fair to say, it would be about the largest uh, infrastructure consulting kind of firm in the country. Wow. So Ravilal, let's talk about your amazing journey of giving back so much. You know, you in your, your third milestone was from 2000, you got involved with the Bangalore Action Task Force. Uh, tell me about the Bangalore Action Task Force and then we'll move to some of the other activities. Yeah, so what happened is in back in 2000, the then Chief Minister, SM Krishna, uh, set up something called the Bangalore Agenda Task Force with Nandan Nilekani as the chairman. And Nandan, one went back a long uh, time with Nandan. So he asked me whether I would serve on that committee. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I had no clue what it meant to work with the bureaucracy or the politicians. I had zero experience of doing any of that. Mm -hmm. I was that typical apathetic individual criticizing that nothing works mm -hmm. and going on with my life. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I saw this as a possible chance to learn something about how government works. Mm -hmm. So I signed up. So the BATF experiment was a bunch of people from the private sector were invited to build a collaborative platform to work with the system to improve the way the city works. Mm -hmm. So it could be in terms of roads or garbage management or mapping or whatever, a whole range of things. Now, all of us were wet behind the years. Actually, our mandate said that we would give a report within six months. But in reality, we chose saying that rather than give a report, and we would rather work with the system for, and we did work for over four years, where we'll put up our hand and be willing to work with the system on specific projects of interest, rather than giving the consulting kind of gyan that this is what you need to do. Sure. Because our credibility in the public space was non-existent. We might have been reasonably successful in private sector, but we have no idea of the constraints under which government works. And we were actually humble enough to realize that we just didn't have it and we needed to work in a collaborative manner. It's the only experiment of its kind where over a four year period, we ran the BATF summits. Uh, we worked with seven or eight government agencies. The agencies took ownership of what needed to be done. And we were allies in that process. So at the end of the four year process, one got hooked to the power of the possible. And while I was working with the private sector and helping making investment decisions, trust me, a month's work working with government and moving the needle a millimeter in that space gave me more joy than all the consulting assignments I had done with the big multinationals and large Indian companies. Wow, that says a lot. Uh, so, you know, now let's talk about your association. I mean, when I was reading about you, I was fascinated from you're involved with so many social and cultural initiatives from tourism to education. Tell uh, me about some of yeah. these and what motivates you to give back so much. Uh, so very quickly, I'll just go through the path. So post BATF, I set up something called City Connect in five cities. Right. To get business to engage with government because I just realized 
that business was cribbing that the city doesn't work, but they were not engaging with understanding the problems and working collaboratively to fix it. Mm -hmm. So the City Connect platform became that which I helped evangelize across a few cities. Then the next thing that came is, well, I realized that fixing hard infrastructure was difficult. I said, we can do something about the soft infrastructure. So along with uh, two, three others, uh, we formed the Bangalore Literature Festival, which is now in its, um, we have done the ninth edition. Wow. It's India's uh, largest community funded festival. Mm -hmm. The money comes from the community and it's brandless in the way we run it. And that's something that has really grown uh, from year to year, the Bangalore Literature Festival, which I would call in terms of improving the soft infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Then in terms of education, uh, I got involved in two, three initiatives. Uh, one was really finding uh, kids in the 10th standard who had scored more than 80% mm -hmm. and family income below 5,000 rupees a month. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to get them scholarships okay. for their college education. And this was a project that we did with an NGO called Vidya Poshak in Dharwad. Mm -hmm. Then there is Akshara Foundation, which does amazing work in teaching maths in 4th and 5th standard across all government schools. Yeah. So one became part of helping that because I also had this connection with government to help scale up programs. Mm -hmm. And then there is the Samita Academy where we integrate people from lower income groups as well as the richer groups in the classroom. It's a very unique model. Mm -hmm. So that was really, and now currently I'm also involved with Teach for India mm -hmm. uh, with their Bangalore chapter. So that's been the education involvement. Okay. Then the other kind of stuff really was uh, I was looking for a whole range of things because I'm quite, I like fairly getting involved in diverse things. So I got involved with Takshashila, which is a think tank uh, uh, in Bangalore. Then uh, the other thing that came along was Bangalore International Center, where I'm the honorary secretary, right, honorary director right now. Mm -hmm. So the Bangalore International Center is a platform for informed conversation, arts and culture. And Essentially, in this polarized world, it is that little safe space which respects the audience's intelligence to make sense of based on what they listen as to what resonates with them. So you respect their intelligence and you put out programming across diverse subjects, mm -hmm. which carries all hues of opinions. And that's really what the Bangalore International Center is about. It is unique in the sense it is privately enabled by donors and members, but the purpose is public. All BIC events are free to attend. We never charge and anybody can attend. You don't even need to be a member. That makes it very, very unique. So we built, we raised money. We built our own building in Bangalore. And in 2019, we moved into it. Of course, last year we got hit by the pandemic. But since the last two years, we have done close to 500 events, both at the venue as well as virtual. Uh, at BIC and all of them have been free and open to public. So essentially what happened is 2000 changed my path. So I was this corporate type doing the typical consulting kind of engagements till 2000 and I was 43 years old and post that and once I got exposed to what the power of what was possible working in the public domain, I just changed track and over the last 20 years has ha I've had a fair amount of pro bono involvement across causes. And uh, Ashutosh, the other thing I must state, because people wonder, how do I fund myself? Mm -hmm. And that is why I mentioned the first thing about starting life and meeting my wife at Myco. Uh, you know, uh, Hema, my wife, uh, she's a well-known uh, human resources professional. She used to head HR at Infosys. 
So we also got lucky in terms of the stock option plan. So as a family, we became financially comfortable by 2000. Wow. And consequently, one was able to make the choices post 2000 that one chose to make purely because of the financial foundation that the family had. Amazing. I don't think if I didn't have that, I don't think the 2000 to 2020 journey would have been possible in my case. I would have been focused on just running my firm. You know, this is so fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, I was going to ask you this question because I have seen several people in the US giving their time like this. And they said, you know, we are giving a time donation. It doesn't have to convert into dollars and cents, but we are giving a time. I think you're doing an amazing job, giving so much of your time and, you know, more power to you because of your incredible financial security. You know, that's fantastic. And in fact, I would yeah, actually ask you, you make a very valid point. A lot of us can actually contribute time. Everything doesn't have to be checkbook involvement yes. or checkbook charity. And if you can provide time, it could be through volunteering efforts over the weekend or when time permits or sabbatical and give more time. A lot of organizations, particularly in the public domain, government organizations, etc., they need this kind of collaborative involvement because I really believe that the future lies in both the private and the public coming together because our problems are huge, our problems are on scale and solutions lie in different pockets. And so we really need to find more and more problem solvers who work collaboratively and therefore time is a very, very important element and we can, all of us can do that. So I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that. That if, you know, for all the people who will be listening to the incredible words that you're talking about, if someone does want to get involved, how does it get involved? So it depends on the area you want to get involved. So let's say you want to get involved in the city, which has been my core area of working. I think the logical starting place is really the resident welfare associations and the local associations. Or even with the local NGOs who work maybe on issues of garbage management or work on issues of air pollution or slums and the like. So the key important thing is to really find out what resonates with you. So if it is, for example, city, then you try and find the four or five organizations, talk with them, try to find out where you can meaningfully contribute. That would be one way. Now, if it's, for instance, education. Then in terms of education, again, the route is really the same to find the organizations that are out there. You could even choose just your neighborhood school and put up your hand saying that you're willing to spend some time with the children out there, uh, uh, working with them or maybe making them a little more tech enabled, particularly in these times, pandemic times. So I think the key thing in all this is to really find out which is the area that interests you. I've always believed that if you get, I mean, there will be setbacks in whatever you do. And I've had more setbacks than many others. Mm -hmm. I am a self-described patron saint of lost causes. <laughs> so while I worked on these kind of causes, I have lost more often than I have won. Yeah. So, but the key thing is to get up every morning, brush yourself off and say, okay, I'll go at it again. And I always maintain that the day you get up and say, shucks, do I have to do this? Then you have to ask yourself, is this something that is for me? When it is something that you like, you will automatically get energized by the sheer thought of just getting involved in that space. So that's something to remember. Yes. And the moment you start feeling a little tired saying, I don't think I want to do this, 
you must sit and ask yourself why is this happening yes, so the other thing really is especially when you're doing this social kind of good activities the other thing which i tell people really is don't think of it as some major sacrifice that you're doing it you are doing it as a conscious choice it is something that you want to do and in reality actually you're getting much more than you're giving so i don't even call it giving back i'm actually calling it gaining so whenever somebody says look i'm doing so much good but i'm being misunderstood by someone that there are some agenda or some interest i always tell them that you have to be clear why you're doing it but at no stage get into this kind of you know i'm sacrificing so much of my time and all that stuff right. because you are making a conscious choice to do this and trust me if you embrace the right cause which really resonates with you you will be a net winner in, in, in uh, over just giving back to society very very well said you know that's an amazing uh, you know thought that you've given to so many people now so i'm going to ask you another question and that is the this world you and i are going to leave behind is going to be for the millennials and the gen z's who i think are probably one of the most clear headed set of individuals i have ever worked with you know see how millennials and gen z's changing the social sector so you know actually at uh, bangalore international center we are running a young adult series okay. uh, which is really for 18 to 22 this is these are programs run by them mm-hmm. subjects that they want to talk about and uh, uh, of course the first subject was when am i old enough but the second one is there's a little bit of greta in each of us which is youth and activism sure. and what i realized in listening to those conversations as you rightly mentioned ashutosh uh while there is this general perception that they don't care much etc i came away from that discussion saying that they are seriously engaged and each in an area that interests them and one of them was really interested in politics saying that it's not a dirty word and you know politics is the root of everything that we need to fix and therefore he is actually choosing to get into politics so they are very very clear headed about it and i also heard them say that i know that the elder generation have messed up don't worry we will fix it Amazing. so you know that sheer attitude in terms of literally in a sense of wisdom saying that our elders have failed us but not to worry we are around to make sure that we can fix it so i'm very hopeful about the future when i speak to these various people mm-hmm. and contrary to the conventional thinking that you know they are more of this instagram and a uh, short media short attention deficit disorder and the like in reality many many of them that i have interacted with i find them seriously thoughtful Correct. on issues that they care about absolutely very well sir and i completely agree with you so uh, i'm going to ask you one more question and then move to some questions for you personally you know for someone who has worked with michael as an entrepreneur given so much back to the uh social sector what are some of the core values you have always believed in uh i think the most important thing which i have found very useful and is in terms of if you are to have credibility you need to be authentic authenticity is the most important if you try to put on a cloak of something that you are not that cloak will slip and you will be exposed In fact in one of the things that I've done over the last 20 years I have raised a reasonable amount of funds for multiple causes in terms of uh, uh, and uh, so and I have found that the thing that works for me 
to be able to raise this money is that I'm seen as being credible, that here is a guy, not only with a track record, what you see is what you get. So what I have found really is the, the characteristic that will serve you very well is really to be authentic, to be yourself. So that would be my principal advice, Ashutosh. All other things will follow. The other thing which I find which has been very useful for me personally, and it, it's true of my work life and market research and the work that I've done in the social sector, I like diversity in terms of diverse causes, diverse kind of industry sectors, or whichever way you look at it. And for me, the element of curiosity, you can never stop learning. In fact, what I've realized is at 64, I'm constantly learning. And the one characteristic I would tell everybody really is if you're curious about the world around you, you have to be curious in terms of what is your maid's life like? And if you spend some time trying to understand that, you will then get a sense of how she got up at two in the morning to get water from the only pump sump that is there in that neighborhood of hers. So you need, and that will make you a little more sensitive to her concerns. So these would be my two really uh, big learnings in terms of thing. Be authentic at all times and be curious, which along with it will come characteristics of being a good listener, being empathetic and the like. Fabulous. So now let me move to a few questions for you personally. I've got time for maybe two, maybe three questions. My first question to you is that as you again look back at life, what does success mean to Ravi? See, success to me is to be able to look in the mirror and go to sleep every night with a clean conscience. Mm -hmm. I think that is the biggest success parameter for me that I was the best I could be that day. So literally, if I have to put a daily metric, and there are days when you have failed that test. I mean, you could have been better. Uh, you lost it with someone which was not necessary. So for me, the success really, like they keep saying, you know, a clean conscience is the lightest pillow uh, in terms of being able to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But to me, that is one success thing in terms of, and that's between me, the mirror, and myself. That's really one part of it. The second thing really is what I've realized that while there are, I mean, there are, there are various pillars. There's clearly the pillar of family. There is the pillar of financial security and the like. But to me, success really is if you can make a difference, one person at a time is good enough. But if that can be scaled up, it's even better. So for me, a definition of success really is I ask myself in all the initiatives that I am doing that what difference, I mean, if I didn't do this, if I wasn't around, and often it's very humbling that you will realize that many things will get done even if you're not around. You just have an inflated sense of self that you are the guy who's making it happen. Absolutely. And for me, the one of the other definition of success is the more I can get the team to buy into things that I think are important, mm -hmm. and we are doing this more as teamwork, then you end up building an institution which will outlast you. So for me, another element of success is not to get into personality-based kind of uh, institution building, mm -hmm. but more team-based institution building. So if I can increasingly say that people know the institution and not necessarily the people behind the institution, I consider that actually a success metric. Fabulous. And Ravi, my last question to you, and this is a question on failure. 
you know, uh, I have a new book coming out in uh, next week on failure. Uh, and I've often said that parents in India don't teach children it's okay to fail. It's always come first in class, go to the head of the line, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That manifests itself in our behavior patterns. Yet we fail all the time. You just said that you know you uh, have failed so many times, and I could and I've written a book on failure, so you can imagine what it is like. But my question to you is that what have been some of your learnings from your mistakes or your failures? So uh Learnings have been many. I mean, actually, with each, you know, I've always said, you learn more from failure than from success because success goes to your head. Hubris sets in. You start feeling invincible. Uh, failure keeps you grounded, makes you, I mean, very clearly mortal, and consequently, you act differently. Uh, see, there have been business decisions where you took decisions to invest in certain new ventures, products, which I did when I was in feedback. And it didn't work out. But what we did, I mean, within about one and a half, two years, very quickly realizing that this is not working, we preferred to go for an amputation and write it off as a loss rather than let it linger on and fester into a kind of a continuous sore that keeps uh, bleeding the business in a business context. Sure. The other failure, for example, at the age of 43, really, I can say I became a more conscious social citizen, human being kind of stuff. If you ask me, it's a failure that the two decades maybe or the three decades that preceded it, why was I such an apathetic, indifferent individual to the so much of inequity and social problems and various other things that we see saw around me? I kick myself saying, why didn't I start thinking about the things I started at 43 much earlier? So to me, that's a failure that I was indifferent to the lot of society for so many years of my life. I, I consider that a failure. Okay, it's better late than never that at least one got involved yes. uh, back in 2020. Mm -hmm. I see that as a failure that I was uh, blind to many of these things. So the other thing which I, uh, about this, you know, Ashutosh, you mentioned about not being afraid to fail. I always tell that, I mean, our two kids now, of course, uh, they are millennials themselves. At every stage, you know, unlike my generation where we joined either an engineering queue or a medical queue to take up anything, we encouraged our children to make their own choices. So they went into humanities and typically the non-engineering, non-medical. So one has walked the talk in that sense. Yeah. And uh, there was a time when, uh, you know, uh, one of our son wanted to take a year off to just experiment with some uh, ventures. Nothing much came of it. But we said, it's fine. You just do what you want to do. We are there to support you. Sure. And I think one of the characteristics that we as Indians, and which is part of the success of uh, Silicon Valley, for instance, is it's okay to fail. Right. In fact, there are people who have actually failed multiple times, but still finally come out. Uh, I have own friends even here who ran businesses. They got lucky fourth time around mm -hmm. in terms of getting an exit. And three businesses actually went into the ground. But they did not give up. And the important thing is to learn what was the problem with the earlier failures and you keep correcting and then it works for you. Very well said. Ravi, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I loved when what you told me a little while ago where one month with the government gave you more experience than a whole year in your own business. 
And I also loved uh, what you said about how people get can get involved in the social sector, where you said, find an area that you like and raise your hand. I think nothing is more important than actually acting rather than be uh, you know, an armchair critic and say, nothing works. Thank you very much for an incredible conversation. Uh, th th thank you, Ashutosh. And I must just conclude on the, something that you mentioned just now. My father used to tell me, this was the time when I was saying, uh, you know, uh, Dad, I'm thinking of getting into entrepreneurship. Mm. So my father said there's an old uh, saying which says, you either talk about getting into entrepreneurship or you get into it. And the two are mutually exclusive. Correct. So you just need to jump in and do what's required. Very nice. Thank you, Ravi. Uh, thank you, Ashutosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.